we talked about on Thursday. RFK Jr. floated a completely unhinged, offensive conspiracy theory that COVID was a genetically engineered bioweapon that may have been ethnically targeted to spare Jewish people and Chinese people. Uh, you got to hear it to believe Jewish it. Here's a clip. COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately. The races that are most immune to COVID-19 are because of the structure of the the genetic structure of the genetic differential among different races of the of the receptors of the ACE2 receptor. COVID-19 is targeted to attack Caucasians and First of all, where on earth did that conspiracy come from? It's Russian disinformation. Literally. So. No, that's literally Russian disinformation about these you could, these labs in well, in Ukraine that they started putting out in the beginning of the war. They were part of what the Russians were saying when they invaded was they needed to save all of us from these bio labs. Um, look, I think there's been a lot of debate as to whether or not COVID emerged from a wet market or a some kind of government facility. These are both red herrings. It was from right. Wuhan's only delicatessen. Um, <laughs> that civet. is where uh, the Jewish doctors, the civet was uh, which the is a lot like saying ATM H1 machine, uh, as well as um, the Asian people that conservatives claim had their spots at Harvard stolen by black people, got together and cooked this whole thing up. And I, for one, um, think that uh, um, COVID-19 <laughs> oh, there he is. Um, oh. um, is finally something that's being exposed. And do I wish it was by someone who wasn't a crank, who sounds like the character in a movie who's uh, dying in a desert and telling someone where a treasure is? Uh, sure, I do. <laughs> Did you come up with COVID-19? Uh, no, several people texted it to me during, <laughs> during our meeting when I was trying to come up with what to call it. Um, uh, I was trying to do something with Shiksa, and I didn't land on anything. Uh, that's funny, too. Yeah. I do like that. I like the Wuhan delicatessen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, so that, you know, he, he, in response, he attacks the press. He said, oh, it's supposed to be off the record. And then they showed the clip and they had the clip. Uh, he said that he doesn't believe and never implied that the ethnic effect was deliberately engineered. It, it seems fairly obvious in the clip that that's not really what happened at all. And then he tweeted a link to a paper. The paper he shared, by the way, uh, which is like a study, a health study. And uh, it, right. it speculates that certain genetic mutations may increase COVID severity, but that they are 
even if they are maybe in some ethnic group, they are extremely rare and have no bearing on public health or the broader, uh, or have any broader conclusion that there are, forget about deliberately targeted, that there are ethnic groups that because of genetic mutations are more or less immune. It's just completely a process. As usual, if you like dig into all of his sort of COVID vaccine conspiracies, what he does is like he takes these these studies, these scientific studies, and he, you know, intentionally or not, completely misreads them, jumps to conclusion, and then they get mixed in with other complete fabricated conspiracies like the Russian disinformation that you mentioned. So it's like this, this stew of like, there's a little bit of piece of something in a, in, a, in a study, and then it's mixed with something crazy, and then he just says it. Arky Jr. is the final boss of doing his own research. <laughs> uh, that's what it is. It's yeah. just, you know, I'm not I'm not saying it. Go look up the studies. And it's and he tweets it's, the study and, and everyone's like, well, this looks like a legitimate study. And all his fans are like, oh. And I and like he is a good like it is good to he's a good example to point to because he is the he is the most cranked like, you know, on the spectrum of flat overs uh, uh, to I don't know, like kind of mainstream conservatives. He is sort of closer now to the flat earther side. But all of those people in this sort of misinformation swamp, your Jordans Peterson, all those guys, like, this is what they do. They find the study, they miss, they, they, they say they have facts they and backing and all this information, but it's just a sort of, a sort of fusillade of lies. Well, you, even, even the referencing the study, I think there was some reference maybe to, like, Ashkenazi Jews or Sephardic Jews. There's a cohort, this yeah. receptor. Uh, a million people in China died from COVID. Clearly, this wasn't genetically engineered to protect them. <laughs> Right, so what, like it's just a these nesting too. dolls of bullshit on top of no, bullshit that weaves together these conspiracy theories. It's impossible to fact check. It was like what Jake Tapper was telling us about the piece that RFK Jr. wrote for Rolling Stone uh, yeah. and some other outlet at Slate, I can't remember. Um, cherry picks pieces of information, fabricates other parts, and then uses language like fear and cleave docking site, but has no real idea what he's talking about. But his fans want to believe it because they're like, ah, yes, there is some big bad other out there pulling the springs, strings, and, and trying to control us. And when you believe that kind of conspiracy theory, you are inevitably going to end up blaming the Jewish people because that is what's happened for thousands of years. If you followed any like really good doctors and researchers during the pandemic on Twitter, these poor people spent most of their time trying to correct idiots who would read these studies and like just just misread them, either like intentionally or not. And it's it's tough because like these scientific studies are like they're they're a little dense. <laughs> you know, they're not they're not very easy to understand all the and time. They're not written for Twitter. They're not written for Twitter, right? And then what happens is people on Twitter, idiots on Twitter, pick out some small part of it out of context and they spread it around to everyone. They get everyone scared and it happens all over the place. And he is the final boss of it. Well, it's, like, it's funny though because like you know. John, you and I especially, like I know we've I know because you and I we we like we had the experience of feeling as though the way research was being interpreted, even by mainstream outlets, was also confusing and misleading and cherry picking. And you and I would go back and forth, like with studies, but like not in the way that like we would just like, read them and be like, "This is what someone else is saying. No, this, this is what is this expert is. saying." Like, Tommy, don't get vaccinated. This <laughs> is and then we'd be like, "We gotta ask Andy Slavitt about this." Yeah, <laughs> we go right to Slavitt. Let's get Dr. Walker on the yeah. pod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We gotta get. We gotta go to the source. We gotta get the raw data. <laughs> Most scientific research papers are profoundly unsatisfying because <laughs> they don't come to the bad conclusions. Yeah. 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 It's like. 
I'll, you take 10,000 of them and then you have a body of research that leads you in one general direction that's mostly right. But it's funny, it's like there was just a week of headlines, but it is sort of like, it is the kind of like noisy, the noisy information environment that also helps these people take off because there was a week of stories about Diet Coke causing cancer that everyone was thrilled to tell me about because they know I love Diet Coke. Oh, everyone yeah. has a Freudian death drive. Yeah. And they're like ruining something cool for me <laughs> from, my, from my cold, refreshed dead hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you have to go in. It's like, no, that is an overstatement of what the study said. Oh. Actually, no, they're not saying this is actually compared to oh. that. And like, that is, that is the, that is actually. And it's only if you're vaccinated. No, this is all us talking about, you know, trying to debate things with rational people. Uh, Media Matters uh, put together a compilation of what actual uh, anti-Semites and Nazis, how they responded to RFK Jr.'s yeah. uh One neo-Nazi said, based RFK Jr. says COVID was genetically engineered to spare Jews. A hilarious thing to say, and I totally support it. Another Holocaust denier. RFK is 100% correct. Uh, the a neo-Nazi site. I fully support any presidential candidate saying things like this that make Jews upset. And on and on and on and on. So had that effect, which is just, just wonderful. Uh, wonderful that he's been a while since Camelot. Oh, well, then, uh, you know, uh, the Kenbys were out in full force on Twitter denouncing him today. Carrie Kennedy, his sister, Joe Kennedy. Oh, what a mess. A little what late. Thanksgiving this will be, yeah, it's also a little late. What a mess. Yeah, the, the, the neo-Nazi quote you read, I'm not going to name him, also said, I don't even really understand what exactly this means, but clearly the implication... So this guy's like, I don't know what this guy is talking about, but I love it because it's anti-Semitic. That's how Nazis here with you. Yeah, the perfect combination of just uh, ignorance and hate. Uh, we'll be right back to talk to Rana Epting and Matt Bennett about the left-center-left alliance that's out to stop no labels from electing Donald Trump. Thoughts in America is brought to you by Helix. If you're looking for better sleep, you need to upgrade your mattress with Helix. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released and high-end Helix Elite Collection, hmm. a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids, which Charlie has. Charlie has a Helix mattress pack, just for kids, and it's a race car bed. Very excited, very happy about it. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and uh, it ships straight to your door free of charge. They even offer a 100-night trial and a 10 to 15-year warranty. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode. And we're back. A few hours from now, Democrat Joe Manchin and Republican John Huntsman will headline a town hall in New Hampshire, hosted by No Labels, the third-party group threatening to get on the ballot in 2024. Joining us today are two people who represent a broad coalition of left-to-center-left opposition to No Labels' plans to potentially play the role of spoiler in the next election. Rana Epting of Move On and Matt Bennett of Third Way. Rana and Matt, welcome to the pod. Thanks. Thank you. So, uh, people listening uh, know how I feel about No Labels, uh, but let's start here. We know that you know we've got a closely divided electorate. There is a critical and potentially decisive group of voters who identify as moderate, complain about partisanship, prioritize unity, don't want a Biden-Trump rematch, and, you know, may like the idea of a younger, moderate Democrat and a younger, moderate Republican running together. Uh, and maybe they think that ticket can win, or maybe they just think it's, it's worth a shot. Um, Matt, as someone who spent a long time yeah, at a moderate, moderate center-left Democratic organization, yeah, what, do. what do you tell those voters about a no-label ticket? 
I tell them that it is an incredibly bad idea and they should stay away from it like it is the plague. Um, first of all, I don't have to tell you or your listeners that this is probably, it's, we say it every cycle, but this is the most important election of all time, uh, particularly if Trump is the nominee, which looks like he's going to be. And what we have to understand about what No Labels is pitching here is that they're not offering up a protest candidate. I mean, Jill Stein wasn't telling the world she was going to be the next president the United States. Ralph Nader wasn't saying that back in 2000. The last guy to say that really was Ralph was a rough bro in 1996, sort of, but really in 1992. And uh, he didn't come anywhere close. He didn't win a single state. The problem with what No Labels is offering is they say they're offering a choice between these two guys you may not love. But what they're offering is an illusion, an illusion that somehow their candidate is going to defy history, going to do what no one has been able to do before. The guy carved into Mount Rushmore who tried to do this and he failed, um, and they're going to win the election. And if you buy that and you, and you, you give them your vote, you might help re-elect Donald Trump, and that would be a catastrophe. So, Nancy Jacobson, uh, who's one of the No Labels co-founders, she wrote an op-ed for the New Hampshire Union leader, where she argued, uh, Democrats and anti-Trump Republicans are working to deny voters the chance to vote for a third-party candidate, which is particularly ironic for Democrats who talk about defending democracy and voters' rights. Um, uh, Rena, what's your response to that argument? Yeah, No Labels consistently is is reporting out there that them offering a third party presidential candidate is about giving people choice or it's about saving democracy in some way. In fact, it's not. It's exactly the opposite. It's as if Matt says, it will definitely swing the election towards a Republican, which is most likely Trump in this case. And if it's not, it'll be some some other nominee that will be beholden to a very extreme MAGA base here. Um, and if they're so interested in protecting and safeguarding American democracy, then this is not the strategy one would choose to do that. If you're so interested in doing that, you would work to make uh, President Biden and influence President Biden and his agenda to, to be a pro-democracy agenda, which is exactly what many of us in, across the Democratic coalition have been doing the last couple of years. And it's been effective. You've seen him govern in a very bipartisan fashion, in a very moderate fashion, and use the leverage and the power of his office to ensure that government delivers for people. So I just don't buy it. Um, and I think the most generous interpretation of no label strategy is that they're ill-advised. Uh, but the other version is they're they're not telling the truth. I'm not quite sure why they're actually running this campaign because every strategic reason they're putting out there doesn't pass muster. Well, let's dig into the polling a little bit. Um, you know, Nancy also argues, you know, the polling that shows them spoiling the race for Trump, uh, spoiling the race in favor of Trump, uh, actually just shows that they have a solid floor in the polling and that they will grow from there. So their argument is we're not a spoiler we can win this thing. We don't even have candidates yet. Once we get candidates, there's enough voters who'd be interested that we could actually win this thing. Matt, what does uh, what does your polling say about that? And what's the general argument that uh, makes you guys believe that that is dead wrong? Well, uh, every poll that we've seen on this, including the no labels poll, shows the exact same thing. Either Biden is narrowly ahead in a two-way race with Trump, 
or it's basically tied within the margin of error. That's what their poll showed. That's what the prime group poll that came out last week showed. That's what all the public polling shows. And then their poll shows that when you add a third party candidate, in their case, it was uh, an unnamed independent moderate. So kind of a, you know, a pony or a unicorn or whatever you want to make of that. That candidate ends up in a distant third place with about 20% of the vote. That's what the prime group found. That's what the public polling finds. And that is going to be the high watermark because, of course, if you tell someone, would you like to vote for someone unnamed who is an independent moderate, it sounds a lot better than, here's a person with lots of flaws, who's done lots of things in their career that you don't like, and maybe you like Bernie, and maybe you like Joe Manchin, and you have this fantasy in your head of what that person may be like. So the yeah, support is at a high point when you don't name the candidate, it goes down from there. The label says the opposite. They say it goes up from there. And here's how they do it. In their poll, they come in a distant third, but they say, okay, but there's 18% of the voters are undecided, and we're going to win 70% of the undecideds. That's what they say, which is insane. That has never happened. And then they say, we're also going to win 4 to 5% of the Trump voters and 4 to 5% of the Biden voters. But that is to say, people who pick Trump or Biden in a three-way race a year and a half before the election. So all of that is bananas. Not a single pollster worth their salt would ever suggest that that is possible. And that is the basis for their entire case. It also seems like even if they won every single swing state that's competitive, in order for a third party ticket to win the presidency, they would need to win either deep blue states or deep red states which is pretty impossible considering that uh, partisans tend to vote for their party. And if you have a state where the majority of the electorate is favors Democrats or favors Republicans, it's very hard to win a state like that, right? I'll just you know, one more comment on this and turn to Ron, but if, if you haven't seen it, I beg you to look at the map that they put out, the Electoral College map. You know, everybody can create their own maps now. Uh, they put one out. Uh, they put their states in gold. And to your point, the problem for them is if they win all the swing states and they win all the states decided by 10 points or less in 2020, that gets them to 187 electoral votes, which means they're way, way short of 270. And even though that in and of itself is a fantasy, then they get into real wish casting, like they're going to win Delaware, a Biden state. They're going to win Hawaii and Rhode Island and Illinois, states that Joe Biden won by 30 points or more. They're going to win Alaska that Trump won by 20 points or more. So it is, if you know anything about politics, their map is laughable on its face. No independent analyst will even dignify it with a response because it's so crazy. To Matt's point, he's basically something that I've been astonished by. Is just imagine bringing this strategic proposal into any election you know, room in the country. You'd be laughed out in a second. And so I'm trying to imagine why is this being taken so seriously. And I think the only reason is they have tens of millions of dollars behind them. I think it is an ill-advised effort. It's not strategic. Yes, we want more choice in this country. Yes, we want democracy to thrive in this country. This is not the strategic way to do it. And the only reason this is actually a threat, because there's some donors in a room that they've convinced this is a smart strategy, or there are donors in a room that actually want to play the election to Donald Trump. Either way, this is a mess, and we have to stop it.
Are you doing Rana, um, New Label put out a policy platform over the weekend, and of course they've got this town hall uh, with Huntsman and Mansion. Do you all plan on making an argument that No Label's policies, their platform, and their potential candidates would be bad for the country, or are you mainly focused on the argument that No Label can't win? And I ask that because for voters, just telling people, oh, if you if you vote for these candidates who maybe you're interested in or want to give a shot, um, we have polling, we're experts, we have polling that says that they're not going to win and that we're just going to throw the election to Trump. Or do you tell them, by the way, this is what No Label stands for, this is the positions they've taken, and by the way, these are the candidates they've chosen. Well, how, how do you think about that? I think it's both. So first of all, on their agenda, number one is that they just made it up. They went in a room <laughs> in D.C., and they created this policy agenda. It's not tied to actual real people on the ground. They don't have a membership base. They don't have really any genuine connections to voters in this country beyond, you know, polls uh, developed by consultants. So this is a fictitious agenda they've created. Uh, and once they actually, if they get to the point where they actually name candidates, those candidates, as they have said themselves, will develop their own agenda. Uh, number two, you want a bipartisan agenda the most Americans can agree on, look at President Biden's agenda. <laughs> he has passed dozens of bipartisan bills um, across the policy spectrum, from gun violence prevention reform to CHIPS Act to the PACT Act to the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill. And he's leveraged the power of his office through reconciliation to provide some of the most sweeping green jobs and climate-friendly legislation that this country will ever see that will really reconstruct the economic and build the economic infrastructure across this country in communities that have been under-resourced for decades. So I don't know what, what policy agenda they're going to be creating, but the one they presented today it's not based in reality. It's not based in the current Congress that this president has and what's viable. It's not based on the number of votes that they can get in the House or the Senate, just based on a wish list that right now I think just really has no bearing or no relevance to the, to the discussion. It also completely um, skips taking a position on abortion, which was one of the most important issues for voters in the midterms. Rana, what do you make of that? Look, abortion is one of the most, if not the most, mobilizing factors uh, in the 2022 election. It will be one of the most mobilizing factors in the 2024 election. And I think at the end of the day, um, we live in a two-party system. There will be two major parties contesting for power in the presidential election. And Joe Biden has made his position clear that he believes it should be the right of women and, and people that can and um, get pregnant to decide what happens to their own bodies. And that's, that's the position that most Americans approve of. Have either of your organizations done polling on the most effective argument to voters against no labels and what they're trying to do? Uh, we haven't done that because, to tell you the truth, this isn't a conversation happening with the broad electorate. It is among people interested enough in politics to listen to this podcast or watch MSNBC to some extent, but mostly this is happening among donor class and the people around no labels who might end up on their ticket. So we haven't done uh, anything around that, but I, I will say, first of all, very much agree with everything Ron just said, but the other thing your question about that voter out there who says, eh, don't tell me about the polls. I'm going to decide based on what I feel. 
I think it's just vitally important that we make one distinction. If you hate Joe Biden and Donald Trump so much that you cannot bring yourself to vote for either of them, okay, recognize what you're doing. You're, you're, you're issuing a protest vote. You're voting for somebody who isn't going to be president, but you just can't stomach the two guys at the, uh, from the major parties. Yeah, well, that's and that's a perfectly vote. legitimate thing to do if, if that is where your politics yeah, take you. However, conscience. if you're voting for somebody because you love this agenda they put out, not only is it fake, as Rana just pointed out, it isn't going to be the agenda of the president because there is zero chance that that person will be president. So we just have to make sure voters understand what they're doing. So, no labels keeps claiming that they don't want to be a spoiler, uh, they don't want Trump elected, and that they will drop their plans if it looks like they'll hand the race to Trump. Um, Matt, do you have any idea what their criteria is for making that decision, and when would they decide that? So they have articulated about nine different criteria, all many of them conflicting. Uh, what they have said is, if Joe Biden is way, way out ahead, we will not run a candidate. Now, no one's been way, way out ahead in a presidential race since 1988, so that isn't going to happen. Uh, second thing they've said is, uh, well, if Ron DeSantis is the nominee of the Republican Party, we won't run. Well, that's clarifying. Then they, they seem to really like Ron DeSantis and Republicans. Uh, third, they've said, if it doesn't look like it's happening in August of 2024, we won't run. That's impossible because they won't control the candidate at that point. And in fact, early voting starts in September, so their candidate's name is going to be on those ballots, whether they want it or not. But the big one they've said is they're going to do a big poll in March of, of next year, after Super Tuesday and Republican primary. And that poll will determine whether they go forward or not. Now, we don't know why they would do that, because spring polling is notoriously bad. Spring polling showed Barack Obama losing in 2012. Spring polling has showed all kinds of results that did not happen. And it is especially bad with third party candidates. Ross Perot was leading the race in the spring before the 1992 election. He ended up winning zero states. So we don't understand any of those criteria. Um, Rana, you were mentioning this early, earlier, but um, how much do we know about the people behind No Labels and the people funding that organization? And are those answers part of the argument you're making to donors, political strategists, uh, and, and other political nerds. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, uh, first of all, I'll say we don't know enough, but what we have found out is not that promising, <laughs> very concerning. Um, we know that the very notorious Harlan Crow, the right wing donor to Supreme court justice, Clarence Thomas has given to no labels. We know that donors associated with Jared Kushner and Ron DeSantis have given to no labels. And um, we know that there are a number of folks that were on the more uh, Democratic side that were associated with no labels that are now dropping off, or either publicly or quietly. So they may not be donors, but we know members of the Problem Solvers Caucus, this caucus of Democrats and Republicans that want to come together to do bipartisan work for the last two years. Many of the uh, folks associated with Problem Solvers Caucus have come out and saying, we denounce this effort at a third party presidential ticket. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about creating a bipartisan you know, governance structure. Um, so I think all signs point to this effort is much far, much more leaning in the Republican direction 
Um, but we are digging in to see who is behind it, and that is really important. And if anything, all that we're finding time and time again, it's just raising more eyebrows. And Rana, I mean, they, they also endorsed Trump in 2016, I believe, right? No, like, no labels did? I'm not sure, Matt. Is that true? They, well, it depends on what you mean by endorse, but yeah, sort of. They, they held an event in New Hampshire in 2016 where they gave him, I'm not making this up, the problem solver seal of approval. Right. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Beyond parody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, that raises a question, and, and Rana, you sort of got to this earlier too. Like, do you think these people believe what they're selling, or are they actually malign actors? Okay, so I like to. Uh, give people the benefit of the doubt. That's generally my orientation in life. But when you look at their polling, you look at their strategy, you look at the facts at hand, there is no way you could deduce that their intention is truly what they're saying it is, which is to advance democracy and give voters a choice. It doesn't add up. It makes no sense. And so it just leads me to believe there is an ulterior motive here that we don't know. And all, I, all we can surmise is that they actually are okay with swinging the election towards Donald Trump. So it sounds like to me they'd rather have their third-party candidate, and they're just hoping they win by uh, through a wish and a prayer because the strategy isn't there. And if they don't, they're fine with Donald Trump being president. That's not what most folks are signing up for, and that's not what they wanted in 2020. It's not what most voters wanted in 2022, and it sure as heck won't be what they want in 2024. Matt, I want to talk a little bit about what um, both your organizations are trying to do here, because I take your point that it's too early in the process to be delivering a message to voters since, you know, they're not on the ballot yet everywhere. Um, are you guys trying to shame no labels? Are you trying to get prominent political leaders to speak out against no labels? Are there any big names who haven't yet who you'd like to take a stand? What's, what's sort of the goal of this effort? What we really need to do ultimately is ensure that credible candidates don't agree to run on their ballot line because we're not going to be able to separate them from their money. They're very, very good at raising money and they already raised a whole bunch of it. Uh, what we, and, and it's a free country. If you have enough money, you can buy your way onto ballots because you can, you know, hire people to gather petitions and, and do it the right way and they're going to be on the ballot. The only thing we can do is try to convince the people like Joe Manchin and Larry Hogan and others who are toying with this, try to convince them that this would be a terrible way to end a very successful political career. You don't want to go, Joe Manchin, just, to be, just remember what Joe Manchin has done. He won statewide twice, the state that voted for Trump by 39 points two times. So they went Trump by 39, Manchin, Trump by 39. That's pretty amazing. What he doesn't want to do is end up the Jill Stein level loser getting 3% of the vote. And that's what we really need to convince him and everybody else who's thinking about this. Uh, even if they don't care, as Rana says, if they're not motivated by the fact that re-electing Donald Trump would be a catastrophe, maybe they're motivated by the fact that they, they will go down in history as a loser. Well, I know Joe Manchin's a huge fan of this podcast, so I hope he's listening to this episode. Uh, Rana, is there is there anything that people listening can do to help? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to make a shameless plug, but you can go to moveon.org slash no labels and sign up there. Um, we are doing early work around educating millions of MoveOn members across the country around what no labels is trying to do. Because uh, I do think it's a story, if you're not paying attention, that you could buy. I mean, 
you could buy this as a legitimate third-party candidate. Finally, finally, we've got a third-party candidate that really can win. Uh, but what we're what we're telling we're showing the data to our members. We're showing uh, basically everything Matt went through in terms of their strategy. It doesn't add up. So that's super important. Um, and we'll also be calling on members of Congress and U.S. senators to denounce this effort and doing much much more. So folks can sign up with MoveOn.org/NoLabels, and that's where folks across the country can take action to stop them in their tracks. Matt, um, No Labels is currently on the ballot in Colorado, Alaska, Oregon, Utah, and. I think the scariest state because it's the closest, Arizona. Um, where else are they getting close to getting on the ballot or, in your opinion, uh, likely to get on the ballot? We don't know exactly. All we know is anecdotally where someone is you know, intercepted by a ballot signature gatherer. Um, but I can tell you that we know they're actively gathering in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, obviously in the swing states. Uh, we know from looking at their map where they feel like they have to win. I don't think they're going to try to get on the ballot in small, super red states like Idaho uh, because they won't win there and it's, whatever, three electoral votes. But they're going to be actively trying get on pretty much everywhere. Under the law, and remember the laws vary by state, but under state laws, they can do this ahead of having a nominee in 35 states. Uh, there are 15 others where they have to have nominated someone and kind of be a political party first. But the other thing I think to remember about what liberals is doing is they're doing this as a 501c4 organization. And that means they do not have to disclose their donors. As Rana said, their donors are secret. The donors can give an unlimited amounts. And they're competing against the Democratic and Republican parties who have to disclose their donors, and their donors can only give up to $2,900. So they are gaming the system, and they're doing it very effectively. So I think they're going to be on in a lot of places. Uh, last question for you. Uh, you know, you ha you work for an organization that you know has for a long time tried to chart a middle path between progressives and conservatives. Has it been hard to turn around and 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 make an argument like, don't trust these people uh, when the ideological thrust of what they're trying to do is roughly in line with what uh, what you guys have tried to do? For yeah, I mean, our middle path really isn't between the left and conservatives. It's just kind of a center left approach and and bloody mind and you know they haven't been really relevant to us a long time yes the answer is yes uh one of the people that rana uh was hinting at uh who has left no labels is a guy named bill galston he's one of the kind of intellectual forefathers of the center left movement um, he worked very closely with president clinton um, and the people who run no labels were our allies and our friends and it's been very difficult for us to, to this public fight with them, but we think that there's nothing more important, and we are proud to be allied with people all across the spectrum who are standing up in opposition to this. And Rana, last question to you, um, and I know you're familiar with this probably because of, of Move On and the constituency that, that you all represent. How, how uh, concerned are you about the uh, Cornell West third party candidacy as a potential Green Party candidate? Mm. You know, we love Cornell. We've we've worked with him for years. Um, I think he's a wonderful person, good intentions. Um, Cornell doesn't have seventy million plus dollars behind him. Cornell Cornell knows how presidential politics work. At the end of the day, he's going to do the right thing. And really, we're really focused on no labels third party candidates because these guys are are serious. They're um, they're driving a very dangerous strategy for this country. They're doing a lot of damage, even though they're not on the ticket yet or on, on a ballot yet. Uh, and, and that's where we're focused. So. 
Rana, Matt, thank you so much for uh, joining Pod Save America and for uh, the work you're doing trying to uh, avoid this catastrophe. So, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Okay, quick thing before we go. Uh, the most anticipated movie of the summer. Uh, it's not about a nuclear bomb. Okay, thank you. It's out this week. <laughs> Barbie. Uh, and since everything is politics all the time, the trailer has already caused quite a stir. Uh, in it, a map of Barbie world showed a nine-dotted line it's, coming off of China. It's eight dots in the screen. It's eight, it's eight dots. Yeah, the non-dotted line is what they claimed it is. Just sorry, continue. You were supposed to put together the segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, show, show the map. This, show is the your, map. this is your responsibility. <laughs> no, Correct me. Leave all of this in. Oh, no, that wasn't clear. I'm telling you, right. I'm <laughs> right, the, the map. map. I want to see the map. So this map has prompted um, Republicans from Ted Cruz to Marsha Blackburn to accuse the movie of cozying up with the Communist Party of China. I saw the reports about the right about the conservatives claiming that this was a communist map before I saw the map, and they basically say that like the you know Warner. Bro- <laughs>